When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. The Raptors defeating the Bucks, the defending champions, Sans Giannis Antetokounmpo is important to say. Sans Brook Lopez as well. That's that's also important to say. And I suppose George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, and Pat Connaughton. I, if you care about, well, Grayson Allen actually has had you know a couple of good years, but if you care about Semi Ojale and Luke Cornett and Thanasis, then. I'm sorry you didn't get to see them either tonight, but missing quite a few players, but still playing Holiday, Middleton, Portis, Matthews, Jordan Nora, all those guys. And the Raptors defeat the Bucks largely on the back of Pascal Siakam's creation. And in the third quarter onward, a flurry of defensive uh, stands for the Raptors. And honestly, that's that's maybe, if not as big a part of the game as Pascal, because it's very easy to center a game around one player's superstar performance, which is what Pascal did, of course. But the the stretch in the third quarter that the Raptors had, I believe they only allowed 11 points. Yeah, they won that quarter 24 to 11. And they were absolutely smashing the Bucks in the fourth quarter. But I think it was a 12-0 run roughly that, you know, the Raptors won the fourth quarter by two points. But for most of it, they were kind of beating the brakes off the Bucks. It was a, a late flurry of shots that were made that the Bucks kind of got into it. But yeah. The Raptors, after giving up 42 in the first quarter, 77 in the first half, they come back to win it. They allow the variance of the three-point shot to kind of crater back to earth for the Bucks, even though they still had a great shooting game. It just wasn't like 60%. It was closer to, I believe, like 40 to 44%, somewhere in there, probably 43%. It looks about right. And yeah, it's a hell of a game for the Raptors and a hell of a game for Pascal Siakam, the the other big players in this game, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet. Scotty with a really tough game, honestly. The, it was um, a little bit unfamiliar because he was getting empty side actions like post-ups and isolations, and he was passing out of them. And that isn't completely unfamiliar this year. That's something that does happen. But to see all of that keep happening when the opportunities are being given to him, like when when Pascal Siakam gives you the ball and then cuts to the opposite side and everybody else, there's three players on the opposite side and one guy at the center of the floor. Like that's an empty side play. That is boogie on this dude, go to work. And he had a couple of those post-ups and isolations that 
he didn't really turn into anything. He'd attempt one move, then he'd pass out. And while I, I do appreciate Scotty is incredible at keeping the ball moving. He really knows how to do that. He plays with a really great synergy. Um, it was, you know, a little bit different to see him not take any of those opportunities, really. Save for, of course, the Dirk fadeaway that he kind of kicked off the game with, which was awesome. But yeah, let's focus on Pascal then. The offensive output was awesome. It started out with him pushing on the fast break in transition, finding guys. And the Bucks were super, super disinterested in playing defense off the start. Like Pascal on three straight possessions. I believe he went to the free throw line on the first one where they were just waiting. Like Chris Middleton is below the free throw line, basically. That's where he's meeting Pascal. That's like 40 feet of speed that he can just bring in or like, and there's nobody pinching in. He was just on an island against the guy moving towards him. They did that three times. And so the first time free throws, the second time, Drew pinched in. Pascal made the one pass away read to OG Ananobi, who hit from three, where he was fantastic tonight. I think he finished four of seven in this one. And then the next play was an end one where he literally just walked down the court. Exact same thing. Middleton was below the free throw line, and he just little push dribble, gathered the ball while he was stepping and blew by him for a layup. That's way too easy. I don't know what the Bucks were thinking. I don't maybe they were super, super focused on not helping off of Fred and the other four players were all thinking that way and they didn't help off their own guys. I'm not sure. It was odd to start the game though, but Pascal mostly started off hot in transition, pushing the ball a little bit, but he settled into a super nice place from the half court where honestly, he was he was so helpful for the Raptors overall. When the offense was dragging a little bit, he pulled up from mid-range. When the Bucks were packing the paint and the Raptors weren't hitting their jumpers, which outside of, in the first half especially, Fred, um, OG, and Pascal, nobody was. In that second quarter when the Raptors had to keep hanging on and the end of the first quarter, actually, because Milwaukee had 42 and 35. They scored a lot of points, basically. The Raptors had to keep up. And basically, the very start of the game when the Raptors, it looked like they're going to blow the doors off of them. And then the bench pieces started coming into the game, filtering in. And the Raptors started not getting anywhere offensively. That's that's when Fred was doing a lot of his damage as a shooter, off ball, really loading up from downtown. But that faded. Fred, I think, only finished with 19 tonight, which is not, that's not bad. That's not far off of his average so far this season. But he's he's been giving you 30 plus basically every game for however long now, right? And so... He's not there to give you 30 plus his effectiveness offensively, even as a passer kind of dissipates in that the end of the second quarter and the second half, the Raptors actually made a really big run with him off the floor. Pascal is the guy sitting there trying to create against this defense that is locked into the paint and and saying now, okay, you're not going to get a bucket into the paint. And he's also not able to pass the guys like Boucher or Achua or Champagny, even, even like Scotty Barnes or anything, right? For three, and these guys aren't cutting against this because everybody's in the middle of the court anyway. So you're cutting in and you're just bringing defenders over to Pascal. Pascal kept the offense afloat with some mid-range jump shots with those post-ups where he finally gets to, he can pull a guy off the corner and then you can have like a baseline cut off of that. The defense starts to move from there. And it was just his ability to control the ball and dominate matchups that really helped the Raptors stay afloat. And OG, he did a fantastic job of, driving like of course the four of seven from downtown is nice but he put the ball on the floor a few times against closeouts even just straight up taking like a pick and roll possession getting downhill really putting the pressure on the bucks in the paint and he, i think he went to the line for eight free throws in this one 
that was awesome. So he was really helping out offensively. He had 20 points, I think, or 22 points on 10 shots. Really, really efficient. And of course, OG, I don't want to talk about anybody's defense in the first half, really. The point of attack defense was really poor. The interior defense was also really poor. Like, that that's the one, you know, scratch on Pascal's resume from this game is you say, well, this is a guy who looked as disinterested in defending Bobby Portis, for example, as Bobby Portis and Chris Middleton looked in guarding him to start the game. And so he allowed a little bit too much early. And the Raptors just allowed rotation, allowed the Bucks to pass to the open man, and then got bludgeoned from the three-point arc. And, you know, them's the breaks. That's how they gave up 77. Not to mention the layups that came on the back end of plays because of the the size. But moving ahead, the, the second half after Pascal, Fred, and OG had really kept the Raptors afloat offensively, the second half, I some things I really liked. A, Pascal Siakam in the pick and roll. Pascal Siakam at the 45 extended isolating. And Pascal continuing to push in transition and post up. Now, he's not guaranteed to be more effective with his back to the basket. But when he's playing with this kind of mojo, like in a game like this, he did a really good job of baiting guys into his gravity and then keeping them away. Like Jordan Mora in this game, was playing him for the spin. Pascal knows, okay, if he plays me to the middle, I can spin it back. So if the dig starts coming, he's going to want to let me play to the middle into the dig. And so he plays Jornora to the middle and then spins back for a wide open layup. Really great management of how the defense is playing him, outfoxes primary defender. And that's how you set up defenders, is you have to do it within the context of the whole defense especially when they know they're defending in the context of whole defense. Really clever plays. Not to mention another th- another thing I really liked was the Gary Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam pick and roll. In the game against the 76ers, they scored a couple baskets late doing this. One was Gary Trent Jr. mid-range jumper. The other was a Pascal Siakam floater that he made over Embiid after Embiid had committed not to a hedge, but he was pretty high up playing the screen that Pascal was setting. In that game, it was a dribble handoff. Gary Trent Jr. is coming to his left. I, it was either Tobias Harris or Matisse Tybal. I can't remember. was trailing, and Pascal slipped to the bucket. That's what happened in this game, only it was just a straight-up pick and roll. Gary Trent Jr. is super, super effective going to his left. When he goes to his right, just you know the mechanics of his body, it's harder for him to sell a drive. It's harder for him to counter to his right hand. And he's super comfortable with that little, you know, the little push and step back or sidestep to his left. That's what he likes to do. He's dangerous going there. Pascal is also very, very comfortable slipping to his right, way more so than slipping to his left. So this play is something that they've run in close games, in fourth quarters, in those high leverage minutes, and it continues to work. It's cool to see little fourth quarter things happen because, you know, the Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Trent Jr., Pascal Siakam pick and roll is not a staple of the Raptors' offense. But if it's something that they can go to late in the game, it creates something that the defense hasn't seen very often, but it's something that the Raptors are confident in. That's a really nice little wrinkle of the offense, even if it is super simple. Another thing that was awesome was the defense from the third quarter onward. Allowing 11 points in a quarter, I believe that's the least amount that the Bucs have scored in a quarter yet this season. Who knows? Maybe they'll do worse. But so far this season, it's the worst they've done. And a big part of that is the Raptors' rotations and really Kem Birch in the middle. 
Cam Birch did a really fantastic job of negotiating that space so that the big man couldn't just duck in and seal position for offensive rebounds or for post-ups or little, you know, like dunker spot cuts or anything like that. That was awesome to see. But he also was capable of popping out from that position to contest shots when they were coming downhill. On top of that, the Raptors started playing a little bit more aggressive at the point of attack, not gambling, but just a little bit more pressure. And the X outs behind that were really, really good. The Bucks' secondary guys, those passers, weren't making good enough reads to beat these X outs because the Bucks were making the rudimentary read, the rote read. They're making the simplistic read. They're, they're not skipping these passes. They're not beating the rotation. They're just trying to beat the pressure. And so the Raptors kept applying pressure at the point of attack and then rotating behind that with really great X outs and just closeouts in general, right? And so that was awesome to see because it's not just a guy like Scotty Barnes or Pascal Siakam who are accomplishing these X outs. It's guys like Chris Boucher who are accomplishing these X outs. And the whole the team as a whole, helping gang rebound, helping rotate to the bucket to contest, and helping rotate an X out to guys on the perimeter. It was it was really, really strong defense, and it was awesome to see. Of course, it it really fell apart later on in the game, but that was some complacency, honestly. It, that's what it was. It's fair enough to say. The Raptors were up a lot late. They probably felt like this game was in the bag. The vibes were good, all that kind of stuff. But enough three-pointers start falling in, enough layup and one start falling in, like, Scotty Barnes, just in this game alone, I think sent Chris Middleton to the line for six free throws via fouling on the three-point jump shot. That's tough. And you know what? The first one was a pretty tough call. And also, man, he had a Scotty Barnes had a post up on Chris Middleton where he got called for an offensive foul that, man, I I think if they actually sat back to review that, that would not be called an offensive foul. That was one of the weakest offensive calls, offensive foul calls I've seen this season. It was it was pretty mystifying. Also, Bobby Portis got like a forearm shiver into Pascal Siakam's collarbone and then his chin, and Pascal fell over, and they called Pascal for a blocking foul. That was also kind of mystifying. That was a little bit confusing. But yeah, man, the Raptors, they got bludgeoned late. Three-point shots started happening. Uh, free throws started happening. Everything started falling in for the Bucks, And then the Raptors said, hey, okay, wait. We're going to try and lock this thing down. And their defense did improve rapidly to close the game out, but they were still stuck in a super-duper funk offensively. Uh, they stopped running actions. I talked about that nice little pick-and-roll for Gary Trent Jr. and Pascal Siakam. What they did, and this is a hallmark of, you know, Raptors fans will remember this from like Kyle Lowry or DeMar DeRozan when you'd look and you'd be like, they're playing to not lose the game. They're not trying to score an offense. They just want to eat clock. Pascal Siakam is a very versatile and good player, but he is not the type of ball handler that you leave on an island with a good defender like 33 feet from the basket just to be pressured. They didn't bring any screens. They were just like, yeah, just beat your guy. And Pascal Siakam, if he's trying to beat his guy and he's that far from the basket, the dig downs and stuff are a lot more effective because he can't just gather the ball and go up towards the rim. He can't gather for a layup. He has to gather for like, a pass on the move, or he has to try and evade these guys who are digging in on him. That is not his elite skill set. When you look at this game, that is not what he was doing that was working. So they put him in this position that was not at all friendly to him. They stopped any type of movement offensively, and the Raptors really struggled down the stretch offensively. 
Gary Trent Jr. made a hero shot. That was awesome to see. A little step back three pointer. And and OG Ananobi made some free throws late. Also, Bobby Portis <laughs> and Pascal Siakam both had free throws late in this game. Bobby split them, I believe. Oh yeah, that was those were the free throws that he uh that he got after, you know, giving Pascal that forearm shiver, that stiff arm. But he's he missed his first one. Ball don't lie for real. But Pascal started yelling, yes, sir. And then Pascal got fouled and he had to go to the line. And Pascal missed both, which is not good. But he was five for seven in this game. He's been kind of coming in around like 55, 60% in a lot of these games recently. So 71%, five for seven. We'll take it. He's shooting, I still think, like 72% on the season. That has to trend up still. But anyway, he missed both. And Bobby Portis, after the first one, started yelling, yes, sir, as well. And you could tell it was getting so chippy between them because Portis is a really chippy player, you know? Like, uh, he he punched his teammate square in the face. We know that. That was a super big deal. I made a meme about it. You know, a domino effect meme? It's like uh, Bobby Portis punches Nikola Mirotic in the face. And that eventually means that the Bucks win the 2021 championship, right? Mirotic ends up going to... Milwaukee in 2018-19, he doesn't play well enough. Uh, Miritich also, the fact that the Bucks got Miritich was rumored to be the reason that Masai thought he had to go out and get Marcus Gasol. So big, actually huge shout out to you, Bobby Portis. Thank you for punching him square in the mouth. I love that for you, pal. You started a series of events that brought the first chip to Canada. So even though you're being a bit of a dickhead to Pascal in this game, I got to show love, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for putting in the work. But yeah, just overall, very impressive game. Basically, like three impressive quarters offensively, two impressive quarters defensively, or maybe like one and three corners quarters uh, defensively were really good. But they were so good that uh, you know they limited them to I guess what would it be 30, 34 in the second half. Obviously, the eleven in the third quarter uh, doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. But yeah. Just just awesome to see. Really fun game. They played some beautiful basketball. So, yeah, big fan of that. Precious, he, man, he, he deserves a like just a quick mention. And I think, actually, he, he'll get the Reggie Evans Award for me. Precious coming in, you know, it was really, really bad in the first half. Looked confused on both ends of the ball. Was not taking, you know, like, was not making short trips to the ball on defense for contests or to reach a man who has the ball and is looking to post up, or he's just not taking good routes to the ball or to the guy. That that was tough to see. And offensively, he kept taking, he kept bringing defenders over to other guys without providing a ton of screening help and without popping into the open spaces, just making things more difficult. But in the second half, I mean, he hit a three, he had some nice laydowns, he threw an oop, and like he was pretty good defensively at closing out defensive possessions, and the rotations were much crisper. So it was really cool to see him come around in a big way in this game, and good for you, Precious. Chris Boucher also, like, he's had a month straight of good basketball. This was not a very good game for him. Last game, he was really great. Uh, I'm perfectly happy to just say, you know, Chris Boucher, tough one in this game, but we keep it moving. He's been in pretty good form. I, I look forward to more of his minutes off the bench. And Justin Champagny, Johnny on the spot, right? He's a savant in the dunker spot. He's prescient. He makes great reads. He always knows where to be. And he continues to impress, obviously. That's that's phenomenal to see. 
top quick reaction comment is from Lee's. Hey, Lee's. Hope you're doing well, pal. Uh, hope everything's good in your neck of the woods. Quote, pretty pedestrian game for Mr. Barnes. While he is the team's best passer, he's becoming a bit predictable with his pass first mentality and turned it over as a result. Needs to look for his own shot a bit more and on the defensive end, allowed several bull buys, including two back-to-back in the second half, end quote. Yeah, this this echoes a lot of the sentiment that I actually said in the, uh, well, in in any of the, I guess, last night's podcast, how, you know, he was played for the drive and so he made pot, he made passes, not podcasts. Be pretty cool if Scotty Barnes made podcasts. I bet he'd be pretty fun. And yeah, as I mentioned in this podcast and in what I wrote up about him in the quick reaction, this is a guy who had the empty side looks and passed out of them. He, he wasn't really able to create against anybody in this game. And he typically, he typically can because he's, he's really, man, he has a, a great drive for the bucket. He uses lots of different skip steps and hop steps to be tough to move and to stay in front of as he goes downhill. Even if he has his back to the basket, he's got that really wide dribble and really wide steps that he creates a bunch of different lanes as he meanders down there. And he's pretty tough and he uses his length and knows how to be aggressive. Like that that's a huge part of being a dangerous isolation player is knowing how to use your body to your advantage. Like Kyle Lowry, you know, he, he certainly doesn't have the look of a great isolation player. But if you watch some of the biggest playoff moments for the Raptors, you could see Kyle Lowry get to work in isolation. He doesn't do it because he's quick. He does it because he's really smart and because he's super strong. And so his isolations are based off of strength creation. And Scotty's, a lot of it is a willingness to use his length and to go to positions that are a little bit more uncomfortable uh, that other players wouldn't. And in this game, he wasn't really looking to do that. And so he, he was in a bit of an awkward spot. But hey, that's that's all right. He, he's going to keep it moving. He's he's in the rookie of the year ladder. He'll figure it out. He, he's already been so promising so far this season. It's just. Yeah, a tough game for him, but yeah, he'll keep it working. Thanks for writing in, Lee's. Uh, thanks for tuning in, listener. Hope you enjoyed it. But whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.